So as a rule, I don't, I try not to um, go on rants before an episode. I do think it's a disservice to the guest if I am talking about politics or whatever. This is a little bit different, and I've decided that I am going to talk about it because I really don't know what to do with myself. Um, my friend from high school, and I'm 39, so this is like... Uh, a person that I've known for a very long time took their life on the first. Uh, and it was very upsetting. It is very upsetting. I'm still very much in denial. Uh, and I want to talk about the mechanisms of depression um, as well as who this person was to me because um, I don't feel like it's my fault. But... I, um, I don't know, I don't know how I feel, uh, and I'll explain why, because this is someone that I was very, very close to from high school, I mean, definitely one of the first people I fell in love with, and a person that, on and off, I still had a complicated relationship because... It was the kind of thing where we cared about each other. I would say we loved each other, not like um, necessarily always in a non-platonic way. But um, there were challenges in our relationship, mostly because we were friends during depressions and we were support systems for each other during very intense um, moments where... I would, you know, I definitely had regrets. Uh, I, I, we, we, I reached a point where I got past it, but there were regrets about um, being together and things like that, where she was definitely right when we were depressed. I mean, there had been opportunities when we were younger, and that moment passed. And then we were both like really in a dark fucking place together and she didn't want to be together, which I am grateful to her because we would have really done damage to each other moping together. I remember that um, right at one point where it got darkest and we were both, I mean, I can't even begin to describe to you how capable I am of chemically going into the deep end and losing all hope. And so um, I remember her leaving to New York when we were both in a very dark time that we were supporting each other, but really were not qualified to help each other. And I think that she made, in retrospect, you know, years later made a, um, a wise decision to not get involved with uh just like she just had the foresight to notice that probably wasn't going to be a healthy thing for us to really care about each other um because we couldn't really care for ourselves she had moved to new york she lived a really interesting valuable life that was inspiring to me and then um recently i had seen her a few years back, and I want to talk about like how complicated uh, depression is because 
The last time I had seen her, we were cool, but she was still depressed, and I was starting to get my uh, my spirits up. I think I had already started to take medication, and I had already started to level out. And I remember just being really irritated with her, uh, and 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 finding her very difficult, and finding and and what I want to talk about is that that's the disease, right? That is what depression is. It is not you. So the, it's a disease that takes over you and makes you cynical and it makes you your worldview very narrow. And it's almost like um, the disease itself is trying to alienate you. Uh, and then there's always been, you know, as someone, I, it, it's it's hard for me to talk about this stuff because I have been medicated for long enough that I feel um, like that person that I was around the time that I was hanging out with Julie at the most depressed points of my life. Um, the um, I just it 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 makes you. You're not the bad person when you're depressed. Your worldview is so bitter that um, and judgmental and all of these things that really limit it, li limit you. And you start looking back at your past and you connect the dots and you don't see any positives because that's the disease. It's a disease of perception. And um, I'm sorry if I'm not speaking in clinical terms and if I'm speaking incorrectly. I'm just talking from my experience. I don't like the person I was when I was hanging out with Julie, not because it was her fault, but because we were both depressed. And when I stopped being depressed, it was hard to be around her because she was still in that place that I was trying to get out of. And, um, so, you know, you're not an asshole when you're depressed, you're not an asshole, but that's, what's so fucked up about this disease. You are difficult and I'm not putting this on Julie. I'm just talking about how, how I dropped the fucking ball because, um, I, I'm not even going to read it because it will hurt my heart too much to read it. But my sister, uh, who is the person who, by the way, has saved my life and made sure that I got on the proper medication. Uh, we had a conversation where, because that's the other thing that when you're depressed, you forget that like not everybody else is. You think everybody else sees the same world, same the world the same way that you do. Everybody's sad. Everybody's hopeless. Um, and it's normal. It's this like normalizing mechanism that you go through. Um, but yeah, so I'm sad. Um, I'm still in denial, but my sister saw. So Julie had uh, moved into an apartment where there was black mold. And she went into a coma for a year. And then she came out of the coma. And she started to put herself out there on Instagram. And I remember, like, you know, this is something that I'm going to have to process. But I remember my sister telling me, hey, I don't want to upset you, but what's going on with Julie on Instagram? Because there were um, very vulnerable posts. And what I wrote back to my sister is, is 
really tragic, which is that I, I told her that I am staying clear of all and any red flags. And um, I misinterpreted what was happening because she's such a char- charming person, such a charismatic person, I um, assumed that she would be taken care of, that someone around her would help her. And so I put it off. And I had intended, I, I had intended to touch base with her, see how she was doing. Uh, at the moment, I was too involved, but uh, with my own shit, and it, I was just very overwhelmed. I regret being so cavalier and and joking about it with my sister um, because, you know, I mean, I don't know what I could have done, but there was definitely a sense that she wanted to be validated and I didn't. And, um, it's really hard for me to imagine this person so lonely and so hurt. I mean, you think about that. Think about times you've been depressed. Think about times you've been sad and how many times, I mean, I'm assuming obviously because you're listening to this, you didn't hurt yourself and just the level of suffering and my inability to have empathy after recovering from my own depression uh, is something that is challenging for me. And so I just want to, um, I don't have the authority nor the place to really um, keep her memory alive because I'm not worthy. Uh, I love her very, very much. I am very saddened. I would not be the person that I am if she hadn't been such a fucking huge influence on me. And so just it's hard to take care of people. It's hard to take care of yourself. It's a lot. And so I don't know. I'm not going to tell you like how to handle shit. And I'm not going to tell you to care about people because I I definitely didn't know how to do it myself, but she was amazing, she was complicated, she had a darkness, but she was fucking gorgeous, everybody was in love with her at one point, because she was so, so, I don't even know, like, the, the best thing I can remember is just like, the excitement of a night out with her, of knowing that you were going to hang out and that it was going to be fucking fun because she is fun. Um, one memory that sticks out to me among many, because I mean, this is somebody I've known for most of my life since, since I was like a junior in high school, um, I would not be sensitive. I would not be vulnerable. I would not be all these things if I hadn't learned. Uh, you know, my first exposures, exposure to feminism uh, was through her in, in a real sense where I actually knew someone who could tell me, like, what was right and what was wrong and, like, and all these things. So I, I remember 
going early on in high school on a date with her. Um, this was back when I was so like not when I was shy and someone had to pry me out of my shell to get at what was inside of me. Uh, and she did that. And I remember her coming over to pick me up or no, dropping me off after hanging out. And she had had a car accident where she had to get into the car on the passenger side because it was all bent in and the door wouldn't open on her side. And the car was essentially like kind of accordion And so like we were just laughing and then all of a sudden she goes in my neighborhood where it was safe. There was nobody out up onto the sidewalk and starts driving between the trees uh, <laughs> uh, and the, you know, like the, there's like the trees that go on the uh, street side of the sidewalk. <laughs> she just hopped up there. It was just like, just so much fun. I remember going to uh, see DJ Kiyoki and then dropping her off at the airport. Anyway, I I just, I don't know what to tell you guys other than, Depression is a fucking vicious, vicious disease. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And I am still talking to Abdiel Lopez. Abdiel. Yeah, there you I, go. I, 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 whenever there's somebody that is a native speaker, I need to remember. Because on okay. the show, I always say Javier. Oh, and I, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm Javier Proenza. Well, I mean, you know what? I know, whatever. It's that code switching yeah. that you gotta do. I need the rich white listeners. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, well, the conversation about defining yourself as brown mm-hmm. is is one I. What what do you what do you define as brown? Because I guess like, um, do you include like because you mentioned India? Yeah, and, and like. I I, just, yeah. I I mean, there's so many. I, I is it just colonialized people? <laughs> right. Well, then I mean, I think it's a recognition that it is its own sort of subjectivity. Um, I also think about brownness as a sort of like relative identity. Obviously, like everything in life yeah, is yeah, relative, yeah. right? Like you are, therefore I am. I believe that. I mm. mean, I can't be non-binary or queer. If you're not heterosexual or mm-hmm. identify as heterosexual, there's a reason, there's a need for me to identify as such because you've so already you identify been, as binary. You know, I don't even know. I don't know. Oh, so I identify as non-binary. And so technically okay. like, and that's, that's an interesting conversation too about like pronouns. I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. So well, I'm going to say something wrong. That's no, why no, I'm no, asking. No. And you're not. That's okay. the thing with me is that, so people 
like to say that I'm they them. Like I use they them theirs pro- they them their pronouns, which I do. Okay. Um, but I also recognize that my performance is very easily easily recognizable as masculine mm. and but also feminine at times. You know, I think that's that is where I kind of have my own sort of nuance with my own gender is like, yes, I look I may look to what I, you know, the straight person as a man, mm. but I think there are ruptures in my performance that for me feel very femme and I feel I don't feel necessarily like a man. But I also don't feel like a woman. So yes, I feel like okay. non-binary, but I also I'm like I recognize that. I like I like looking the way I do, you know. No, you look great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank but you. Uh, but um I was I I guess I do know like I guess I yeah. do feel masculine. And like no no like I I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to conceive of it right but like we're all we're all on the spectrum there is no, no I way. know I know yeah I, no but I, I I was gonna say like I, what it, I was going to try to my or my first reaction mm-hmm. was like well I don't know what it's like to be a man and then I was like I didn't say that because I was like no actually I kind of do feel so I said the <laughs> the part that was appropriate <laughs> out loud. Right, right, okay but um. But yeah. but yeah, no, I can relate to that. And mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, the way that it was explained to me, or the thing that made it, it easier for me to conceive of transgender mm-hmm. is that when I was younger, my teacher told us this story, or, or when I was in high school, uh, uh, this fucking guy, my name Mr. Bravo, like with long <laughs> gray Bravo. hair in a ponytail, had a gun it, uh, uh, <laughs> in, in like, and he would lock it up in the cabinet. Um, oh my God. <laughs> uh, and then his kid was like a delinquent. But yes. he, he was telling us a story of like some kid that uh, when, when he was a, a boy was like, uh, they botched this, his circumcision and like damaged the penis. And I think they just decided to give him a sex change. Uh, and, and that I don't, I th- I do think that I remember hearing about this outside of that afterwards, mm-hmm. but, uh, it may have been like a hot topic, right. a hot button thing when I was like, uh, 17. But, um, so the kids started to grow up and did, and like, but like still played with trucks and like did, did you know, was yeah. like, was just a guy, you mm-hmm. know? And so, so I think that having had that story when I was younger, it wasn't hard for me to make, like, since I had already, uh, had the concept of gender be something that couldn't be put upon you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, but then Here's the confusion that yeah. I think some people have, and maybe I'm wrong, but there's a difference bes- between sex and gender. Right, fundamentally. Okay. All right. Because then, you know, like, I mean, I do like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, but sometimes, like, he gets caught up in this thing, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, if someone could just sit with right. him and be like, oh, no, 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 you, you know, like, there's those two different things. I think he would so get it. Different. I mean, <laughs> and so it's funny, like, I am well-versed at least in Spanish t- speaking about this particular difference uh-huh. between sex and gender because of my parents. I mean, I have been very privileged in that sense to have parents who are willing to listen to me and understand and, and be educated. Like? It's so, I mean, it's <laughs> right. I mean, that is right. I feel I'm straight. Unfortunate, I <laughs> unfortunately or fortunate. Well, fortunately for me, I do, that is such a privilege for me. Like I am able to articulate and you know, it, 
it happened because I went to college. And that's mm-hmm. why I always advocate for higher education amongst, you know, minoritarian communities because you acquire language and empowerment through language mm-hmm. to understand your own relative subjectivity. And not only that, you know, systems of oppression and whatnot. And when you begin to articulate it and begin to identify and then build defense mechanism or not defense mechanisms, but I guess build empowerment to combat all these um, suppressive and oppressive systems. I think that's where you begin to see cracks in, um, in the matrix. And Mm. that's potentially where you could tap into, and that's what I would call liberation pockets. When you begin to identify these pockets or these, uh, sorry, not, not pockets, these systems of oppression and you start to fight it through language you can, that's, I think that is the beginning of true revolution and liberation. But anyway, going back mm-hmm. <laughs> to my parents, um, it's interesting. I mean, that's all I ha- I can really say. I, I don't know any other way to be with my, with my family. They have been really supportive of me coming out as bisexual first, then as queer, and then to add on top of that is non-binary mm-hmm. like that is i mean they don't even understand what sex you know the differences between yeah that. and i think you also uh said something on instagram where you came out as a bottom too <laughs> yeah well as a, a passive i mean yeah as a passive i mean it's like so hard to not deny that like you see me and it's like oh my god someone in mexico is like you're a compulsive bottom I'm like, Fuck, like it's that noticeable i didn't realize yeah but mom doesn't necessarily know <laughs> but you know but then when i finally told her she's she I, she she knows everything. I yeah. mean, she's, um, yeah. It's anyway. Yeah, it's funny. Well, that that's but, also uh, but, a, a, yeah. a, a, a a negative stereotype that I think uh, is assigned to uh, like mm-hmm. is probably presumed based on machismo. Yes, and I think he, I try unconsciously uh, to subvert that through my own. M- masculinity and femininity mm-hmm. i i don't like to identify so i've i've had trans people tell me that i that they have seen me and they have immediately thought that i'm trans mm-hmm. um and that needs to be unpacked separately but i all that also I, might have to do with their particular worldview but then why wh- right and then yeah. why is it only relegated to me and not my counterparts that i'm with uh-huh. You know, because I've been in situations where I have oh. people who perform similarly as I do, or who are very similar to me, and they're not told that. You when know, you, so, when you say so, when you say you perform, yeah, you're talking about performance art when you're so I'm doing a performance right. because you, I think you also use it to like how you present. Yes, and is I, is, I, is what you mean exactly. Okay. I mean, I, I use it both okay. as a performance art and. I think, I mean, it's important to recognize that we're always constantly performing. So my training is in sociology formally. um, And I think that's why I stayed in sociology for a while, because I started to understand that everything that I do is always impacted by external forces, whether that be because I'm in in a room with you, Mm -hmm. in a room with five other queers, and and you know, whatever, right? Yeah. My Which performance like is malleable. Code switching is, is essentially what you're talking about. Right. right? Code, okay. exactly. Basically. Yeah. Kind, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but friends, I mean, I, like, as, as a but you were, I'm, I'm saying yes. like, you were giving an example and then you were expanding on that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No. Yeah. And so anyway, people have called me trans. And so this is where it gets interesting though, 
I don't necessarily identify as trans, obviously, yet. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's you know, it's about exploring and about um, under, understanding the depths of gender, right, within me. Yeah. Um, but so when I perform this sort of assertive um, character performance, or mm. I said performance twice, but when I perform this, this sort of assertiveness, I think I come at it from a point of view of, like, I get my references are always, like, bad bitches, like mm-hmm. strong ass women in the media. You know, I watch real housewives. Like yeah, I get yeah. all my fighting from that. Like those are my references. When I, when I talk back at somebody, it's never, mm-hmm. and I never see myself as a man talking um, down at a woman at another man or whatever. Right. I always see myself kind of identifying more as those real housewives or yeah, yeah. those novella villains at, than I do as a man <laughs> condescendingly talking to another person. So, but then so you because, feel more cunning. Is that what? What are the descriptors? I, even, I, I mean, I why why yeah. why that and why not the other? I, so, but I think people digest it differently because of what they see on on, oh, the, outside, on the outside, right? So, unfortunately, oh, yeah. or whatever, they interpret it as, oh, that's a man belittling whatever Man's a woman playing, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yet, that's not who I am. I don't feel that at all. I don't feel uh-huh. a man. My references are not men ever. Have never been men. Um, and I think also, so I'm also an only child and I think that kind of plays a role in how I live out my fantasy. It's all about that at the end of the day, it's living out fantasies. And I, and I take a page from like drag queens who are living their literal fantasies. And so when I perform day to day, you know, my masculinity is always inflected by some sort of femininity that. I, it's, it's again, unconscious. And, but then when I look back, I'm like, wait, that could have been misinterpreted or read this way. Whereas it's, that's not how I feel. There's a disconnect yeah, between, yeah. you know, how, how I feel read. and yeah. how I right. Well, it's, it's similar to, um, being not identified as Hispanic. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> similar. Right. Exactly. Um, where, where, where it's like you, well, I guess in your case, it could end up coming off a little bit more problematic if you're if you're interacting with a woman exactly and no and like i that. and i unfortunately i'm but a very what do you explosive s- what do you say what yeah. do you say about people that say that you're just like uh uh um a dramatic gay <laughs> uh, right and it's like but no, i'm a cunt i'm not a, i'm not a faggot <laughs> okay all right <laughs> and i can say that because you know and there's a difference and i've <laughs> talked a lot about it with my girls with a you not an i girls um and it's about, and see, I think I love language so much because you can play with it. And so kind of go, I don't know if we talked about this during this section of the, of the, of the podcast or the other, but it's up to them to do the, right. to, to listen to both of them. <laughs> At some point we talked about how so many people use it against, um, or oppressively to say Brown or Latina. I don't remember exactly what, right. Mm. But that. I like saying faggot or cunt or all these like allegedly bad words and reclaiming it. Mm. It's, it's, you know, in a simple yeah, way yeah. to put it, it's reclaiming of, I, right? I think, well, yeah, I can see how people would maybe struggle with you using the C word. Right. Yeah. And, and, and people have. Yeah. Um, but so Jose Esteban Munoz, this queer theorist and scholar, um, wrote about disidentifications as a performance practice that a lot of queers of color you employ to both use what's already being used at the systematic level, but also subverting that through their performance. So 
if you are calling me a faggot, I will say, yes, I am. And I'll perform this sort of faggot politic frame or work within that framework that you're imposing on me. Uh-huh. But with maybe you know or not, or you know maybe not, I'm subverting your own definition of faggot with my performance, okay. with how I use that. What you have told me, it's now it's up to me. I have the power. Mm. Maybe it's too idealistic the way I'm thinking, but I constant. That's why I'm like I like going out with my girls and at the, you know when we're in the club at the club whatever. Um, we're extra as fuck. We're you know mm. doing the most because the world has said that that's bad. You know, yeah, it's yeah. and that that goes back to this idea of respectability politics and what fits and what doesn't fit. Yeah. Um. So obviously we can't talk loudly when you're when you're working, but what happens if you do? What are you? What and those are the ruptures that I like to think about. Uh-huh. I'm in these spaces. How can I subvert the sort of expectations of me? Okay. And I think I just do that. Not I, I think about it, but I think that's just who I am. I tend to subvert. Without and that sounds so conceited, but I don't mean it in that way. It's just people get confused when they talk to me or when they get to know me because it's like, wait, but you're an intellectual to uh-huh. them, right? I've heard that, and yet you are grinding on some random strange on some stranger, you know, yeah, at yeah. the perreo. And I'm like, why can't we be both? Why can't we be all of it? And that's why I say with gender, going back to gender, I'm all of it, mm. and because of that, I'm none of it. Yeah, because inherently it doesn't exist. Yeah. But, and yet, because it exists, I'm all of it. I think it's it's a difficult one, though, mm-hmm. and I and I think that I think where it gets tricky, yeah, is is, is specifically where it, some of the things that you're uh, that I've actually never considered the problems that you're talking about in terms of like being like not being able to use the c word and mm-hmm. things like that, right? And and like. By the way, I'm not afraid to use that word. Yeah, I just no, it, I, I just yeah. do it as a courtesy because right. I don't want people like. First of all, like I also don't want to be called certain things, and I don't want to yeah. hear certain words. So, like out of respect for listeners, I don't I don't do it, and I don't mind you using no, it. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, but and, yeah. and but like that's why I chastised myself last episode for using the b word because it's like yeah. it's like I'm better than that, and I can come up with a better insult for for elizabeth warren mm-hmm. <laughs> than yeah, yeah, yeah. To, than to just like you something go so to the jugular yeah yeah or, or right. just like it's right. just the basic uh, it's just a base well, argument mm-hmm. right yeah. like and that one's a hard one because there's really no separating like it's like you're calling someone a dog like you know and like <laughs> and and and, and the more submissive of the species. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's just the weird patriarchal thing that, no, I, of course, that I don't right, like to fuck right, with right, right there. Uh, I don't know uh, where the yeah. disdain for the C word. I think that's more phonetic. Well, and also, I, I mean, it <laughs> it's does, like, it's, it's so harsh. harsh. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like, it's like you, it's like fuck, but with at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. No, and see, so where I'm coming at it. So when I say cunts, right. Yeah. I don't mean that like, Oh, she's such like what like vile yeah. implication is attached to that word, cunt. And so, the, and I don't know if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. No, but okay. I I I am supportive of RuPaul. <laughs> I have been a fan since the beginning. Okay, great. So in 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 the show, but he's a drag queen. He's a drag queen. Okay, and he's also a cis man. So, yes, yeah, that that, right. is, that is the distinction. Yeah, okay. um, but he uses cunt. By saying, but it's a it's an acronym for 
charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a turn of endearment. She only calls people she likes that? Or the winners. Okay. The winners of the seasons are cunts because oh, okay. they have all of it. Yeah. They're charismatic. They're unique. They have the nerve and they have the talent to back it up. Yeah. So when my girls and I get together, it's like we feel like cunts. Yeah. We feel like... We, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you know yeah, what? I, so, yeah. no, but I it's, get that. it's hard again. It's hard when you're not coming at it through that sort of optic or through that sort of yeah. lens. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and I think I think that the the simplistic person, right? And exactly and, and, and the simplistic person yeah. in me. I oh. understand both sides. <laughs> okay, because yeah. because I, I understand like on an, on a basic level, what you're essentially saying is like, why define it if I don't have to? Right. Whereas I think the argument on the other side is, um, is, uh, mm-hmm. is like, well, why define it as anything other than like, you're a gay guy hanging out with your girlfriends. Right. right. Like, and, and I understand that that's like, I, I'm not like advocating no, no, no. either yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I, like, I'm, I don't even feel confident enough in saying like, I, especially because you're, we're getting into the offending women category. <laughs> But like, but I do think that there is, for example, for me, just the idea, like, mm-hmm. all right, going back to the, there was a movie that was a disappointment, but I was very excited about when I was a kid about the year 2000. That's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, called Strange Days with Ralph Fiennes. And it was, uh, it, it had a really cool poster. So I was, mm-hmm. and it was a sci-fi movie and I was a sci-fi nerd. So I was super hyped up for it. The movie was a disappointment, but there was a scene in it. And basically the main premise is that there's like this VR that you can wear that's really good. And it also taps into your neurons, your brains, and, and you can feel what the person saw and recorded mm. and experienced. And somehow there's like predictably a murder involved but one of the first scenes is a guy and he's like being real tender and you see him sh- shot from the outside and he's like just laying down um, uh, or not, not laying down, just like touching himself. And, and uh, you find out that the guy is like experiencing an orgasm from mm-hmm. the woman's standpoint. And that for me has always been like the mm. first foray into like really trying to understand what it what it's like to have empathy for the other sex, right? Specifically sex, I'm, I'm saying in here, because we're mm-hmm. talking about, like, physiolo- physiological and stuff like that. Just that is such a hard thing on a binary level for me to mm-hmm. understand and have empathy to really conceptualize it. Like, so I think that, oh, like, I so yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I accept and I understand, but like really on a fucking conceptual level, it's almost, it's that thing. Like another example is like, people have always asked me what it's like to be dyslexic. And I'm like, I don't fucking know what it's like to be normal. I have no point of reference. Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, I think it's a really interesting language game to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here's where I think people struggle with Mm -hmm. it. You can't do that with race, right? And 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 I am not. I'm. And, and Wait, how? Oh, sorry, sorry. You, you, you can't, can't do. You, you can't be Rachel Dolezal. You can't be Elizabeth Warren, right? Yeah, and, right. And, 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 no, no, no. no they're, they're completely different. I'm not. No, 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 I, no. I'm yeah. not. I'm not comparing them. I am saying yeah. that's the that's the gap, and that's the discomfort. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, and I'm not excusing it. That 
it is it is like when, for right, example you when you when you said like that you when I was thinking like I have never actually had to think the thought of like what is it like to feel like a man mm-hmm. but then I thought about it and I was like well you know like I remember a time a girlfriend told me that she liked the way I smell and, and was like you smell masculine and I'm like what the fuck is that you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> right but I know what feminine smells mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. right so like I am tuned to know what the feminine is. And obviously we're talking about the fact that they're not opposites, but there's like a biological thing there that's interesting, right? Now, now I can totally understand how you would be biologically attuned to some, to, to other feelings, right? Mm -hmm. But conceptually to wear that Mm -hmm. is very difficult. Yeah. You know, exactly. the same way that it is with race as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, well, okay, so... Talking about race, and this is why I don't like using the word Latinx, because even then, my Latinidad and the way I experience that word and that concept in this society, so different yeah. from, um, I don't know, even from you, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. From anybody. And that's, there's no reason to be... But it's, it's so problematic, because it's like, okay, so if there's no reason to even label, so anybody can be anything, which is not true... Yeah. Um, which is kind of where Rachel Dolezal was kind of uh, was kind of arguing yeah. to a certain extent, which is not what I'm arguing. Um, it is nuanced. And it's all, it, you, and, and again, it's not, it's not a fair comparison, obviously, to, to, to tie those two things mm-hmm. together. But I think that it is conceptually somewhat... Uh, equally hard to imagine what it's like to be another person like of another race like i i really could never know what it's like to be a white person right and so there is that parallel but there is no such thing as trans uh like actually transracial Uh that's actually one of the jokes like one of the yeah, jokes that, think, that Dave Chappelle does, where oh yeah, he's I like, heard about that. <laughs> "I did hear about that." It's like, <laughs> "What if I was an Asian man?" And I was like, "That I joke know. is not transphobic. It's racist and it's hilarious." Oh my gosh, <laughs> this man! <laughs> <laughs> but but so like, I get, I get, I get being offended by that joke, right? I get, oh yeah, yeah, I get yeah. being offended by that joke, but I also get that joke and, because it uh-huh. is about the confusion. It is a joke. It is a joke about his problem, not mm-hmm. right. He's not saying it's it's objective. He's like saying like, <laughs> I find it hilarious because of this, and like, okay, but that example is racist, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> it's so it's difficult. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like I want right. <laughs> I want to laugh, but it's also because you know I see it too. Yeah, yeah. No, I like and and. <laughs> That's how, that's kind of how I feel with like some jokes that are like, that are racial, but not fully racist, you know, but then, but then like, for example, what is racial, what's the difference between racial and racist? I think that when, uh, uh, what's her face, uh, the feminist comedian, um, Um, fuck, why am I blanking on her name? White girl. Amy Schumer is the first person. Okay. Wow. That's the first person. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah, so she she had a joke that was like, uh, I used to date uh, Latino guys. Now I prefer consensual. Now that's a racist joke, right? 
a racial joke. I don't have an example, but it is about distinctions between races, like right without and, without uh, stare, you can have a commentary about race, right? Like for without example, being racist, without being racist. Like I could make a joke about how fucked up uh, th- oppression is. For certain people, but that, right? But that's not just racial. It could also be classes. No, be no. I, I'm like oh, I, yeah. I can make a specific joke mm-hmm. about like you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, racial oppression, and I, and that would be a racial joke, but that wouldn't necessarily be racist, right? I don't know. I don't know. I, what do you mean? I don't know if I agree with that. You don't know if you... I don't. I don't. I don't think there's a need to say racial or race relations. When at the end of the day... Well, if race is brought up, it's racial. It's racist. No. I th- well, I, I think, think in, in that particular context... Then everything I jo- say about white people is racist. No, well, no, because to, for racism to exist, power plus prejudice equals racism. Uh, no, because I don't think that... I think there's a lot of Hispanics that are anti-black. And they're racist. And, yeah, but they don't have the power necessarily. I think I mm, I would well and see I think I would argue they they possibly do like I I guess how are we thinking of power like what are what 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 well, defines I, what I would just power? anyway yeah I would I well, okay so then I so then you do you believe that there is such a thing as reverse racism I no I mean I don't know <laughs> no it's racism if I'm racist against a white guy I'm a racist against a white guy but, right but I, I can talk so. You don't think I, I don't can be? Know. You, you think I can hate white people, stereotype them, not really like uh, racism? I think because you're not hating white people, you're hating whiteness, which is different than. And I think that's kind of that's. No, I I think I, okay, I think that. I think that you can call yeah. a person of color. I think that's why why anti-black is such a specific distinction, right? And there's anti-brown, right? But anti-brown or uh, there's there's like. Um, it gets difficult because there's, you know, some things are not even talked about, so there is no terminology for it, right? Like, mm. for example, there is no terminology for, like, racism against Latinos. They call them immigrants. Because what, so the well, language is engaged with the class element. Or xenophobia, in, yeah. Xenophobia, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, you can, you can address race and have a comment that is racial without it being inherently prejudiced. I just again, I think it's and this is I mean this is interesting because no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know if I it's so hard because like I I get where I'm coming from and I don't know if the listeners are gonna get this but like not that not that they're whatever sorry um, okay so like if I'm telling you a story yeah okay and but it's what is relevant yeah. it's relevant that the person is from Mexico but that's right? not race hold on okay yeah. Well, Mexico, like if you're Mexican, you're Mexican. Oh, there's white Mexican. There's, you know, you're also Afro-Mexican. Okay. You know, that's... Okay, I get what you're saying. I'm... Okay. So if I say someone is indigenous, Mm -hmm. that's racial. If I say someone is a fucking indio, that's racist. Right. The race, exactly. Okay, but, but that's what I'm saying. There's a distinction. You can be somewhat objective you can argue whether the terminology is racist like right for example i always argue that latin america like, like i said latin mm. to, to call us latin is to subjugate us 
because first of all, it doesn't it 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 makes us uh, products of colonialism only. It makes the, it doesn't acknowledge the indigenous people, and it makes for situations like you have yeah. in Venezuela, where the Venezuelans that are leaving or call call themselves Spaniards, right? Right. So yeah. so I I do I but I, I but anyway but I think that with <laughs> like I think that I think that there's also an issue for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, and you can tell me because both of these things affect you, is like, and I and I like that. I don't know how many people in the world total are gay, right? Right. Okay. But I know that there's a lot of people that are also brown and gay, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't seem like they give a shit about those people. I think that I think that like within the American borders. People are like, yo, uh, you know, but like when it comes to like shit that happens elsewhere, it's just chalked up to like, oh, those cultures are problematic rather than like we have subjugated them and taught, mm-hmm. you know, and spread this through popular, uh, you know, a popular television mm-hmm. and shit like that where you don't see a lot of representation. Right. For example, right. I don't think that like... uh Brown people in in the Philippines woke up one day and decided like, yo, I need to be white. It was like, it, it's all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, what is it? Um, social. I mean, oh, I hate that word. So that term, social construction. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, and and so 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 I just like what I find interesting is how I, I think it goes back to that thing of like. It's somehow, it's almost like it's even, because now you hear white people talking about, like, gay people of color. Like, that's their new mm. token. Oh, <laughs> and my I, God. I and, didn't, yeah. And I'm like. Because <laughs> I'm the token. I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard it? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I've heard people be like, yeah, you, trans women of color. That's that's more the one. Like, that's more the one you hear. Yeah. Like, white people, like, championing trans. And I'm like. That is like such a hard virtue signal because essentially what you're saying is like you care about the most marginalized and that's the convenient way of not caring about everybody else mm. on the way to that like trans person of color. Like you don't give a fuck about Mexicans coming over the border. You don't give a fuck about any of that shit. And for me also like what is interesting is like when kids are dying at the border, mm-hmm. that's when we care about them. But when we send it, when we're bombing them, like, you know. And we want to sanitize that with art. I mean, do you remember this about? about oh, you were very it's, angry about yeah, that with piece. the whole tell seesaw me what you think piece. About, yeah, yeah. Tell me what you And how it wanted to, again, I think resignify this border as this sort of, I maybe not idealized, but it's it's redoing the violence by introducing this sort of child playfulness to the side this side of violence of murder. By saying, look, we can overlook all the violence that has that has gone on that site because these kids are playing. And yeah. it's these t- kids from Mexico, very poor, and from the U.S. who are coming together and having fun and we're ignoring... And it plays into the white savior narrative it is, that they love yeah. when it's they're actually the white oppressors. Exactly. Because they're paying for all of this shit. Right. And, it's, yeah. and we're the brown oppressors because we're also paying for this well, shit. And that's in, but see, that's why I'm like... Why are we, as a collective, and I think more so my generation, my contemporaries, so focused on pointing out like, oh, that white person, this, oh, that, you know, whatever, mainly that white person, because there's, and I think 
okay, this is this might sound problematic for a lot of people, but I think being in Iowa, I really understood what my privilege, how or yeah, I guess how I embodied my privilege and what that afforded me in a town of a lot of poor whites. Hmm. You know, and I yeah. think we don't think about the intersections enough. Oh. Well, in, in, I don't, I don't in, think yeah, so. Yeah, in Miami, I, I mean, yeah, I come right. from Miami, so, like, right. that's that's a, a town where, like, white people do not thrive yeah. in, in the same way that they do elsewhere. Because if you don't speak Spanish there, you don't, you, you know, there's really mm-hmm. not much you can do, in at least especially, specifically in service industry. I mean, I know in, like, South Beach, there's a lot of people that c- come down and work at restaurants and shit, but, like, if you're working in, uh, like, the the industries there are limited, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like there's there's the service industry, there's tourism, yeah. and then once it's... you start fucking with that, like you know, you you have to like sort of like if you work in city government, it's hard not to speak Spanish, too. right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I like, imagine so. Yeah, you they're yeah. looking for bilingue, <laughs> right? <laughs> Left and right. I mean, even here in LA. <laughs> but but that but. that also made me realize, like you know that white people can like you said they can be uh, oppressed and and i think that that's one of the things that's really waking people up a little bit to sort of class in this country is the whole uh, opioid crisis mm-hmm. uh Chappelle also has really funny shit about that where one of the one of the best jokes that i'm spoiling the whole thing i'm apologizing <laughs> <know, I'm> like, <laughs> but the, one of the best jokes is that it's like he's like you know i see all these people because he lives in ohio and he actually sees like people addicted to opium mm-hmm. all the time and it's like and I and I think back and I like I know what it must have felt like to be a, a white person during the crack epidemic because I don't care either. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and it's fucking brilliant. It's yeah. really, it's really, you know, right? It's and, uh, yeah. it's cutting, man. It, it, yeah, no, that's that's really funny. And I, again, I don't mean to say that like that's wrong of my contemporaries to be like, oh, that white person, because there's validity when people are angry and when people say oh that white person this that that white person that yeah. but we're not also thinking about like rich brown people rich black yeah. people who are also just as bad yeah, as but, these but uh i've dropped this a couple times in, yeah. in, in episodes but uh i recently heard what's his name cornell west say that like the reason that mm-hmm. uh people of color or the, uh, that that the only people of color that have been allowed to succeed in this country are neoliberals, by design, because those are the only people that can that can move forward, right? They, they, yeah. they And and so you look at that, like uh, uh, Elijah Cummings just passed away, but oh, yeah. you, you know, like, but you look at you look at who's out there and and yeah. and who's in government, and like, yeah, they're they 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 suffer the same problem that the feminists that thought they were going to get Hillary elected. It, you know, they're from a generation where, like, yeah, they let some black people in. They let some, you know. And, yes. Yeah. And one of the things that's yeah. interesting that is happening in culture now is this thing with fucking uh, Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, fuck her. Well, but but <laughs> fuck her. But no, fuck her. But that, but but that goes yeah. to the thing. Like, white people think that the solution to life's problems is is representation, and it hasn't been right. very long where people could cert. Like, I mean, there was Paul Lind and people like that historically, mm, yeah. right? But 
within <laughs> politics, uh, it, uh, what's his name? Um, Barney Frank. Yeah, yeah. Barney Frank got censored, you know, ha- was uh, mm-hmm. had to quote unquote admit that he was gay. And it was like, no, I acknowledge that I was gay. That's what the language was like back then, right? So it's not long, it's, it's only recently mm-hmm. that gay people and gay white people have really had that kind of representation. And now they get to see the disappointment that we feel in people like, like as a Cuban, Marco Rubio, you know, mm-hmm. like all these fucking shady ass motherfuckers. Yeah. Marco Rubio picked, uh, tweeted a picture of Gaddafi's when he was getting uh, I, sodomized yeah. at yeah. the at the fucking uh, at uh, Maduro. Like that guy is fucking garbage. Yeah, you know. So like, so that also deals with the intersectionality of class. Like, and that's what was was so mm-hmm. shocking about that shit. Like. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it was like, oh, it's not, you, you know, like we, we, you, you know, like I think they should fucking lynch her and Rachel Maddow for <laughs> misrepresenting gay culture <laughs> and serving the establishment. Right. And see, and we're not giving these, I mean, we're not, we're not thinking like that collectively. We should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, thinking about specifically, I guess, Latinxes and class and, you know, upper class, whatever, Latinx is. You know, there's a reason why hentified is a new term now. I don't know if you've heard of it. Hentified. I mean, gentrified, gentrif- oh, you know, gentrification. Oh, I thought it was like a hentai. Hentai. Oh, no, like hente, like in Spanish. I don't look at that shit. I just, it came up because I was talking to, to an, uh, an anime fan. That's funny. Hente, not hentai. Hentification um, is when, I guess, more specifically, Latinx is... Um, come back maybe from college or wherever and they go to these little cute coffee shops or these um, businesses that cater to some middle class upper class white aesthetics mm-hmm. and sensibilities and so you're you're now giving your money to outsiders yeah. instead of investing in your local businesses and so in the process you're also gentrifying your own community oh wow and so that's kind of where i'm coming from now because i'm like I'm not rich by no by no means am I rich, but I'm also not. Uh, technically, I am working class, but I have I live with my parents. Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of privileges with them, so I do feel a certain sense of class privilege, and so I'm very cognizant of how I spend my money and how I try to invest in local businesses. But I don't know if I'm ever going to divorce myself from that power dynamic that already exists, where I might have to go to that cute little coffee shop because they have better yeah. Wi-Fi, you know? And it's just a yeah. really complicated relationship because it's like, I don't want my the city to go down in flames after the Olympics. Yeah. You know, but That's, I also do want better... Because we deserve better. Than, like 2028, I think. Oh, 10 years. 2028. Yeah. And then the whole stadium that they're opening in Inglewood. I mean, it's... it's well, what are they going to do with all the homeless people for that shit? You know? <sighs> that, well, that's where I'm going. You know, it's... We're yeah. building and building for whom? Yeah. And there's, there's like, the amenities that they're putting into these downtown, like, uh, developments there. It's just like, they're building these, like, Elysiums inside these, you know, they have pools, they have, like... 24, I mean, gyms, spas. And, like, it's all new development and no room for for poor people. It's just Who like who affords yeah, that, yeah. and that's and I and I do see you know yeah. Well, I I did see an article I think recently that made me laugh because I was like, eventually rich people start to run out of 
less rich people to exploit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then everybody's just homeless, right? It, it You know, it goes into, like, That's, for example, yeah. uh, I, I UBI is in the news. I did an episode on it a while back, mm-hmm. and I was very curious about it, and I've yeah. kind of realized what it really is. Universal basic income. Yeah. It's a discussion about whether we should let capitalism go unfettered and unregulated, right? Like... It's really a discussion of making production. It's it's a discussion about taking all the value out of out of labor. Mm-hmm. So labor is worthless. It has it. It's not. It, there's nothing at all that people contribute to society anymore. And capital and production becomes so efficient and so so. Uh, cheap that it becomes it starts to approach zero so then what happens is nobody can work for money so they start to the state starts to tax these companies to give money to people so that they can start buying products because otherwise nobody has cash to buy products right and so what happens in that system how do you regulate the companies because you're dependent on them to give you the, mm. the the sustenance you need. How do you fight climate change in that instance? You know, so for me, it's a really interesting thing that wow, people are catching up yeah. up on it. But it's just this idea. It it is not, and people like brand it as socialism, but it's not. It is yeah, hyper capitalism. It is resource extraction at its at, 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 like it's it's just like don't stop. Uh, let's That's just keep crazy. producing. Wait, I'm like shocked right now yeah so i never thought about it like that but that but but it's well yeah well, i need to read about i've 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 i researched it a little bit because Damn. i've always been fascinated by it and like and it it sounds great but like there's always great, that right. there's always that thing of like who are you becoming dependent on you no, you no longer have the ability to like you have no value and when you have no value in society what like you think they're gonna kill people less Right? Dang. <laughs> Look at how they treat black people in society, right? The, mm-hmm. the, like, the, it's, it really is like what the state wants. You look at the 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 the, the prison industrial complex. Yeah. What the uh, this you know what the system right. has set up is that like it's okay to shoot black people because we're trying to round them up anyway. Oh my <laughs> yeah! Wow. And so and so. Even in that dynamic, yeah. you can see sort of how like problematic it is to just be like, oh yeah, like you know, like you know, capitalism is a problem, dude. It right? Really is. <laughs> Basically, it at really the end of the day, is. That's what we're all it's a problem. Like right now, for the last ten years, capitalism has been someone's problem, just not mm-hmm. ours. Right. <laughs> Dang. Period. <laughs> and it's been, it's been people that look like us. Mhm. And I think so I think a lot about like where I, so I was on my way on my way to my car getting up getting my um coffee. I was thinking What is about, it? Like, it's not a coffee you told me. Or, it's it's like Oaxacan. I don't know what they called it. I don't want to make you lose your point. At, La Monarca, but... <laughs> you know, La Monarca Bakery, which is apparently cute. Um, yeah. It's Oaxacan something. That's part of like this Mexican corporate thing that's happening in this right. neighborhood that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and they have the similar style like the Kim Taco. Stuff, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. But it's so good. <laughs> it's <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. And I, so on my way there, I was like, 
Hmm. Like you, you try to end the other one, the other section with like, we're going to talk about politics. And I'm like, that's a very interesting word for me. Cause I don't know if I know like politics, like sure. I'm informed. Um, I don't know if I can talk about politics in the way that people talk about politics. What I mean to say is I think, I think very politically, Mm. um, but never about explicitly about politics. Well, I don't necessarily speak, I wasn't wasn't necessarily main. I I, I think, I think that politics to me is geopolitics history. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and, and so like, I actually remember that when I started this episode, I don't even remember who I was talking to, but, like, the Latin American history came up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I, I remember saying, like, I need to learn a little bit more about yeah. that. And and I have been since, right? right. And, and, like, I consider that politics. Like, yeah, for example, yeah. and um, it really is, like... Shocking. <laughs> El Mazote, do you know what that is? Okay, so the El Mazote massacre, there's a... The, 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 uh, Sounds familiar. Okay, but, this guy's in our government right now still, I think. He hasn't been ousted. Uh, Elliot Abrams, his he started the day after the El Mazote massacre, and his job was to obfuscate and uh, make it so that this massacre... like. You know, there was a journalist that was discredited. His career was destroyed. That this massacre, like, went unreported. And essentially, like, they were, like, raping girls and bragging about it. Like, 14-year-old girls. Uh, They were throwing kids up into into the air and catching them on bayonets. Like, it was fucked up shit that they were doing. 800 people in El Salvador just murdered by people that we trained. And so, like, one of the things that I keep saying on the show, because I want people that listen to it to be aware of it, like, right now, you think that shit with the Honduran migrants is bad. First of all, that got started by Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, She's the one that ran the coup. She brought over uh, counterterrorism tactics from from, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and started applying them for for the the, uh, sake of the coup. Now... Now we have this situation, the biggest prison, or sorry, the biggest, uh, uh, it's funny that I confused uh, military base with prison. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest military base in huh. in uh, Latin America is in Honduras. I forget what it's called. It starts with a P. And so that's the staging ground and has been the staging ground for most of all of, of, of our interventions in Latin America, in Colombia and shit, Right. The only governments that we get along with are places like Colombia and <laughs> and other spots that mm. have like oppressive regimes. Like that's you know, Ecuador got a new president, and that's how they were able to kick uh, Julian Assange out of the embassy in in Ecuador. Right. So it's yeah. all this systematic, and we're constantly, constantly putting pressure on motherfuckers. Maybe. And the problem is, is that there's always one asshole that's willing to get bribed. There's always one mm. motherfucker that's like, that's the power of capital. That's why it thrives. You can pay people to oppress other people because as long as because the choices are we kill you, (laughs) or 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 you work with us and you live a good life. You know, like look, it's so so all this shit. It's right now what the what the Trump administration is starting to do is they're getting Israeli soldiers 
and bringing them to to Honduras to train them to train the the mili- the Honduran army on counter migration tactics. Like I don't know if you know what's happening in in Palestine, right? But that's essentially an open air prison. Mm-hmm. So what the yeah. solution to the migration problem is not to stop bombing people. It is to turn their country into a prison. Yeah. That is what we are currently doing yeah, yeah. in Latin America, like that, now, yeah. you know, and Nicaragua just uh, celebrated like, I think, 40 years of independence. Mm-hmm. There was another coup that uh, Hillary Clinton tried to do there. I think that was Hi- Hillary. I think there was recently a coup. I, I, well, I may be conflating yeah. that, but I do think it was her State Department. And the whole point is that whenever a government down there wants to empower its people of color, we say, fuck no. And that's the history of Cuba. Mm-hmm. That's the history of all these things. I'm not saying that those that that Castro that Castro was a good guy. Castro, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, right, I'm right. not, you yeah, know. Yeah. But when people from Mexico talk to me and they're like, "Yeah, no, I don't think that Castro's a bad guy." I understand where they're coming mm-hmm. from because, you know, like Cuba has three free health insurance. We don't even have that shit here. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, Cuba yeah. trades in doctors. Yes. Yes. And, but you know what? It, it's so funny because I was always raised with the idea that Cuba is a bad place. Yeah. Cuba is a bad state. They're the enemy. Yeah. You know, in my Mexican household, it wasn't until I went to college when I actually informed myself yeah. and I developed my own opinion separate from what my parents thought. Yeah. I'm not saying, there's, you know, they're starving yeah, there. Yeah. Right. But that's, but, emba- but that, how many years of embargo have there been? Right. You know, um, and one of the lies that I found out is that about is that people from the the Cubans from Cuba that live in Cuba are all hate the regime, which is a fallacy. Uh Like there are people that believe in the revolution over there and they're starving. Yeah. yeah, But they believe in that shit. And so it like propaganda sinks in here too right like yeah so i'm not saying that it's it, it, it's not state propaganda that makes them that way but the idea that like they don't believe in the in the ideals mm-hmm. of like socialism and shit like that like that is a fallacy for sure you yeah. know we you can debate where the oppression comes from you know it's probably like it's just an aggravated situation but if like we didn't have a beef with communists like what would the world look like? There would be no NATO. Right. You know, there would be, the, the world would just be so Dang, fucking yeah. different after the second world war. And it's really, you know what it really is about? It's about the UK handing off their <laughs> empire to us. The UK was depleted. They could no longer run the empire. They felt comfortable with us because we were also capitalists. And, and so that's where we took over, you know, and Fuck, then, and yeah, then Fr- yeah. France. That's we 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 talked last episode about France and its colonies, mm-hmm. the, and and the fact that Libya was uh, uh, that, that we overthrew Libya because of the Frank. Like so, all of that. So that's what I mean when I talk politics, right. because I I know a lot of people talk politics, and like I'm like, bro, like <laughs> I don't want to talk about like Trump. You know, right? You, you know, yeah, like because well, Trump is yeah. really not. <laughs> he's, he's he's not affecting my life. He's he, my yeah. outrage meter isn't being triggered like the way people like I like no like I said to uh, or like me and um, Pamela Rios mm-hmm. decided like it's kind of good to, that like racism is out. You know? Okay, that's what I tell literally my friends. I'm like, you know what? I'm not defending Trump at all. No, but clearly he's just he's just voicing out loud what 
literally this whole country was built on. Well, and, and he's or, just he's so bad at doing the right, business of right. empire that that it it that horror yeah. that you see it for its horrifying glory. Yeah. Right? Like for example, right. people being outraged about the 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 detention centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pictures that they were tweeting themselves, the Democrats were tweeting themselves, were taken during the Obama years. Right. And then that's, <laughs> that's when, like, I don't even give a shit about Obama. Like, yeah. these presidents did nothing for us, will never do anything for us, will they did. Protect. They did us harm. They did harm. And, and again, I've debated with, uh, with my friend. We couldn't decide. And you tell me what you think. We could not decide... Who was... Oh, shit. It's already two it's already hours. Fuck. I know. I just saw that. Fuck. Yeah. I was like <laughs> looking. I'm like, wait, already 7.20. I'm like picking up steam. Yeah. No, I... Um, <laughs> well... Well, you're yeah, in LA yeah. now. I do want to hang LA, out yeah. and grab a beer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know sure. I, Because you definitely have insights into my... You have a worldview that I want to inform mine mm-hmm. and may, it may agree with or may disagree yeah. with, but I, 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 I feel like... Uh, I feel like you are the things that you say make me feel empowered on, on, on Instagram Mm -hmm. and, and it's a completely different experience that you have than me, a completely different set of privileges. I would say Mm -hmm. that my privileges are more Mm class-based and yours are probably, um, and, and that you have an experience where your passport gives you privilege over people, which makes you aware of your American privilege. Mm-hmm. I don't I, like, yeah, I'm sure and the if fact I were, that I'm able to travel yeah, is a privilege. In I'm itself. sure if I yeah. went to Cuba, I would become aware of that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that people need to start thinking of borders as ways of keep of imprisoning people and not, and, and not boundaries because they, they don't exist anymore. Corporations yeah. don't respect them. Yeah. yeah. That's and, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have anything you want to end on instead of just closing with me on another rant? <laughs> no, I mean that was all good. I I really enjoyed that rant because yeah, I, I, yes. <laughs> no, I mean I'm glad that we followed each other on Instagram when we did. Yeah, yeah I, I don't remember, remember how it yeah. happened, but but I have been a fan of. Sure. I, I don't even know what your work is like. I'm yeah. very curious. <laughs> oh, I'm like wait, what your performance yeah, stuff yeah, is yeah. like? Uh, but but yeah, well, I, I'll be doing more shows in. Well, I'll be doing shows in LA. Well, let me know. And yeah, I will. Sure. I will attend for sure. Yeah, I'll let yeah. Everybody know. Orchata Cutie as at, always. Yeah, um, at, on all on all literally all platforms available. I, and now I need to fucking follow your Twitter because I'm sure you get since it's oh text based, God. you just go off. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I used to be more uh, explosive on Twitter. Yeah. Now more so on Instagram because I have more followers on Instagram. But <laughs> basically, um, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I had a really good time. It's yeah, uh, finally it has I'm not glad disappointed. Said, yeah, a a year in the making, and I'll definitely have you back on. Thank you.
Welcome to my planet soul. Planet, planet, planet soul. 